Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Hickey is here. Just us again tonight, it looks like. So we will talk about the GMR Grand Prix and whatever else news-wise we have this weekend. I'll be at the track both Friday and Saturday. So if you're in Indy, which is probably a good chunk of you, find me and say hello. It's weird, like, living here now. It's like, I don't have to, like, book a hotel for the next month or worry about flights or sleep on a couch. Yeah, you just have to live in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's like, this is a lot less stressful than I remember it being. But Trade-offs. Trade-offs, yeah. The trade-off is you live in a state where people don't seem to care about their cars in Indianapolis. The amount of cars I see with like without bumpers just, like, blows my mind. I don't understand. I've talked to, to Stig and... Stig and a few other people about this. Like, don't don't you care that your car is well maintained? I mean, I know the answer for Indiana, but I don't understand it. Well, it's, Stig has a nice Stig, car. Like, so I I, I would say know, like you know his answer. Like, you know the people. There are people who care about their cars, which is a very small subset, and then like the rest. Like, there's a car in my apartment complex. It's like a PT Cruiser. It's white and. He like kind of cares because he put a bumper back on his car, but it's baby blue. So he's got like a North Carolina UNC vibe going on with this car, and it's not on purpose. But he drives a PT Cruiser. Also an issue, yes. Yes. I think the, well, I was going to say something really mean there, but I think Jeremy Clarkson said at one point, if you drive a bad car, you clearly show no interest in driving. And if you show no interest in driving, then you don't care if you merge over and hit somebody because who cares? Although you roll up to a stoplight and the person next to you in a Ferrari and you're a PT cruiser, they have a lot more to lose than you do. <laughs> so, Yeah, that's a good point. No, go ahead and merge on them. They have, they're going to be the ones that have stopped, so... Yeah, I uh, don't know where we want to start this week. Probably F1. There was a lot of IndyCar-related folk yeah. down in Miami this weekend, whether it was team obligations like the McLaren drivers, sponsor obligations like AutoNation, or just to go as a fan and to see what's up. Without talking too much about the race or the fact the track looked like not a good racetrack, it Put on a fine event. It wasn't the worst event we've ever seen, but the racetrack could use some tweaking, I think, for next year. A lot of prevailing sentiment coming out of Miami from several IndyCar people, but guys like Pato specifically said that IndyCar needs to step up their game. Yeah. Do you think that they're going to be able to now, and I think 10 or so drivers are being reported as or rumored as coming to the Grand Prix this weekend from the Formula One side just to watch. Uh, do you think that the drivers and whoever attended the Formula One race will be able to kind of come back to Roger and say, you know, like, here's what we witnessed. And then, you know, it looked like an incredible event for its first year. I can't believe how many celebrities actually went. Know, it was insane. Yeah. Um, what do you think the response is going to be from IndyCar with all these guys coming back to the paddock with what they observed? I hope it's, hey, you know, we, we, we take away some key points whether it be fake marinas or uh, i i don't i don't know exactly but the way they they marketed the event they they did a really good job what no matter what you thought about the actual race itself 
the way the race was promoted, et cetera, et cetera, was really good. So kind of like the behind the scenes, not necessarily the on track part. They did a, a home run job. So if they can take away some points on, hey, if we do this for promoting or we do a, a TV ad or we market it as like a, you know, a cool hangout and we get every driver to run a you know, special helmet or throwback livery or special livery or something that kind of fun party vibe definitely, I mean, won the day because I mean, there were celebrities there that apparently are celebrities that I don't even know who they are. And I mean, you don't know who they are. Frenchie definitely didn't know who they were either when, when him and I were texting during the race on Sunday. So, I mean, they, they did a good job and I don't think there's any like one big thing. And IndyCar also shouldn't overreact to how well it, you know, IndyCar's budget's a little different. So, you know, do what you can within your means and, you know, keep growing and, and see what you can learn. And, and I think it's, it's only positive. Yeah. I think my big takeaway is that, uh, I need to get Jill and Jay to bring a cabin cruiser or a yacht to road America so we can camp in that instead. Yes. Um, because why would you, why would you not camp in a boat when you can, you know, camping in an RV, let's go chill. but no, let's do, let's do a boat. Uh, let's go Jill. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously there's shortfalls in the marketing department and we've talked about that before, but how much of that is lack of resources, which we've discussed before and yeah. asked and answered that. So I think a lot of it, you're, you're right. Comes, it comes down to resources and budget. So if, if they can say, I think, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. If they can say, you know, the the way they promoted the race on social media or on YouTube or TV commercials or whatever was good, we should do something similar on an IndyCar scale, you know, because IndyCar budget is obviously much different. Awesome. I'm all for it. And I think it would be really successful to do that. You've seen, you know, the excitement around a weekend in Iowa, which is not Miami or Miami gardens or whatever (laughs) it's called. So if you can do something like that in Iowa, maybe, I don't know, somewhere a little more touristy, I I, may, whether it be a current race or a new race, I, Nashville, let's say maybe they change up some, some add some promotion to Nashville more than they already did. You've got a, a very good IndyCar weekend ahead of you. What's wrong with Newton, Iowa? Well, last time I made fun of Iowa a couple years ago, before the Iowa weekend, somebody was in my DMs very angry about the, I made the fact that I made fun of Iowa. So Iowa's a lovely place and has lovely people, and I can't wait to go. Yeah, but you say that, and I'm over here. Elkhart Lake's not the same as Las Vegas, so... <laughs> How d- I don't know if I'll. I don't know if I'm going to be allowed into Elkhart Lake ever again. How dare! How dare you make that comparison? Sorry, I was born in Iowa and I don't really care about it. So you were. Let's see. I was Davenport, Iowa. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, which and we lived across the river in Illinois, so I'll, I guess that must have been the closest hospital. So that's that's great. Yeah. Let's see. The Andretti Autosport owner, obviously Michael Andretti, was rummaging around the paddock, doing whatever he could to get into Formula One. I was just reading something that the AP and I believe Jennifer Fryer put out saying that uh, two owners, 
basically rejected his inquiries about wanting to join. Um, which I know this isn't a Formula One podcast, but if I could go on a small rant about that, Total Wolf is citing that if they join after paying the two hundred million or whatever, that it eats into the profits at the end of the year for the, all the other teams. Aren't those profits going to just keep going up though with the rise of Formula One? And if you're Mercedes, are you really going to be quivering at f- fear of the American team that just joined from scratch? One correction first, then I'll go on. Uh, two teams signed Michael Andretti's petition to enter without the $200 million is what Jenna said. Unless Jenna posted something else. Oh, okay. But that's, yeah, I actually... That was circulating somewhere early. It might have been Jenna. I don't remember. But well, some like Christian Horner said no. Yeah. But Total Wolf is also probably going to say yes. no. I think Alpine and McLaren said yes. There's only two teams to say yes. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Well, it's like I think I, the whole two hundred million dollars million dollars thing, like obviously, is a, a hurdle. But you know, I think to address Toto's concerns, it might be a fair trade off. But then Toto can't still pitch a fit saying yeah. like, "Oh no, now our money's gone. like shut up." I I I think obviously none of us know Andretti's exact plans on team building, car building, et cetera, et cetera. But they also, you know, Michael Andretti said, listen, we want to enter the European ladder series as well to bring in a pipeline of American drivers. I don't really see any team, other team doing anything similar. And the European ladder series sucks. So, I'll say, I'll, I'll probably continue on that rant when you listen to the F1 episode tomorrow, but I just, I don't understand the, how this isn't helping the F1 brand. If you have a name like Andretti in there, not you, you attract new sponsors to the sport, whether it be us brands or maybe international brands that are big Andretti fans or supporters or or whatever. So I don't, I don't get it. I, I think it's really silly. Yeah, I don't get it either. So Michael was, building relationships this weekend in the paddock and apparently the FIA president Mohammed Ben Salam gave him some sort of direction on how to proceed. And Michael said that that was kind of the first indication that he has gotten about how to proceed going forward. So we will keep our eyes on that as it pertains to Michael Andretti on the IndyCar side and what that means for the Andretti Autosport organization. So that's kind of cool. Uh, two more F1 IndyCar related topics. Uh, the same FIA, FIA president Muhammad was at IMS over the week while he was here in the States to talk to Roger Penske about areas of mutual interest. Take your best guess at what that means. So Frenchie and I have talked about this, not on the episode. I think we were texting about it over the weekend. And people who were like, oh, my God, F1's coming to IndyCar next uh, F1's coming to IMS next year. FIA also controls WEC and probably a couple other series that are escaping my mind right now. And then there was an article that came out Sunday or yesterday, Monday, about WEC potentially at IMS in the next couple of years. So, and I mean, really, it could have just been, hey, you're the boss of IndyCar. I'm the boss of FIA, of the FIA. We should probably meet and, you know, 
discuss business, the state of affairs. How can we help each other grow? What is your business like? What is my business like? And yay, because then the FIA guy also went down and met with the guy who's in charge of NASCAR, France, whatever his name is, whose name is Escape Bill France. Is that who it is? Something Ted France. France. Something, something I surrender. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Matt France. I don't know. Anyway, you know, so he's he's just doing the the rounds to discuss with other you know motorsports leaders. I don't think it's really anything to get all worked up about. So you're saying that F1 is not going to go to Talladega? Um, from what I'm hearing, F1 is actually going to go to Iowa. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Doom and gloom. You heard it here first. Yeah. And they're going to run the instead of running the like the way IndyCar runs. What's that counterclockwise? They're going to run clockwise. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, the wishful side is oh, cool. F one might. It'd be nice to see them like road. Like, okay, so you're gonna have Vegas, obviously, which is huge investment and cool. You're gonna have Miami as long as the promotion side of it can keep up with the finances. It's probably gonna be on the schedule for a while. Uh, would be nice to see them tweak some layout changes there. But the Coda race, it would be nice to see that one kind of rotate. If we are gonna have three American Grand Prix, it would be nice to see that like rotate between the Coda, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and maybe like a. Th- third one yeah i don't know what other fi grade ones there are uh so indie fans hopefully indianapolis is not completely off the radar for formula one in the future but i'm guessing not for some time here then the last one was that uh my man sebastian vettel who yes is okay in my eyes he's, he's fine he's an all right he's human okay. like average yeah yeah i mean he's he's fine um my favorite thing that he's ever done in his entire career is asked why they're going to tracks like Miami when road America exists. My man. Does that, does that just further validate your funny tweet from two months ago? <laughs> kind of a little bit. It's like, why are we in Miami when we could be in Elkhart Lake? And it's just, uh, Bobby Ray Hall has offered to put him in a test at road America. I think Graham Ray Hall also commented on Twitter. So that would be infinitely cool uh, if Vettel did a Romain Grosjean, Jimmy Johnson type deal where they just came into the road courses once they're out of F1. That'd be really fun. You, you bet I'd drive up for that test. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'd make lighting come get me for that. So <laughs> that would be cool. Um, speaking of Graham Rahal, he had some more comments about the Grosjean incident since our last episode. Yeah. I wanted to get your take on one thing he said in particular. He alluded to the fact that over 10 drivers have, or was it, I think he said maybe 10, 10 drivers have texted him in response to his comments about Grosjean agreeing with him. Just wanted your thoughts on fair, foul, annoying, perfectly fine, well-pointed, annoying, where do you, where do you stand on some a comment like that? I'm... I applaud Graham for his no BS speak my mind attitude even more so this year than ever. I don't think he's being whiny per se by saying, you know, I've talked to a bunch of drivers 
I feel like he might have been throwing a little bit of shade at Will Buxton, you know, who said I talked to 15 IndyCar drivers <laughs> more than like anything. But I think that joke was made multiple times on that on that article. I don't remember where it was from, but I don't do I believe it? I don't I don't know if it's 10, but it definitely might be seven or eight. I mean, I know of four or five off the top of my head that I've talked to that are like, oh, I don't really like his on-track behavior. So does Graham talk to more people than I do? Most likely. So I think the only solution here is that the next bullpen, you just have to ask everybody straight up if they texted Graham within the last two Did weeks. you talk to Graham? Can you please describe the nature of your text message with Graham? And can you... Do not make me show the subpoena for your phone. I will take your <laughs> phone and look. I'm going to hack your phone while you're on the track. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I believe him. But my favorite comment on Twitter was someone's like, Oh, yeah, you want me to tell you which driver it was? Well, they didn't go to the same school as you, so who, you wouldn't know them, man. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. They didn't even go They didn't even go here. They can go to Ohio State. Uh, yeah, right. So, yeah, I, I'm sure I believe him because I bet there are 10 drivers within the paddock that don't like him. I think the surprising thing there is that 10 drivers actually texted Graham. He doesn't seem like – he himself seems like he's got – a couple drivers in the paddock that don't care for him. So I think so, but it, but I mean, every time I see Graham walking around and like another driver's nearby, they're always saying hi. So I think Graham has gained more paddock respect over the last couple of years, especially the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I respect the hell out of him, and I think his image has come a long way last yeah. six seven years. So. Well, we'll we'll see if there's any retribution this weekend. I highly doubt it, but that would be hella funny. Uh, some Indy 500 before, news bits. Before uh, we get Borg there, Warner's offering. Oh, go ahead. Before before we get to Borg Warner and all that fun stuff. But speaking of green, Athletic Greens. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, Frenchie is our. <laughs> you should let other people tell yeah, you that, right? So I got excited. Frenchie is our our resident athletic greens user because he wanted more energy, better health, a better immune system, and didn't like taking all sorts of pills and vitamins. With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day Right. The special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Going down. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial flavorings. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Your subscription will come with a year supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add during these spring months when it might rain half the time. I had to adjust that because my copy read is slightly outdated here. Costs less than no, you said during. Uh, during, uh, d- during. It costs less than three dollars a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit, which I am still not willing to give up. But athletic, my athletic green subscription is arriving next week. 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes 
like Formula One driver Lewis Hamilton. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, more green. I supplement vitamin D every day. Do you do you supplement vitamin D? It's important. I don't, but I, 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 you, I heard you talking about that on Xbox chat the other day. I think you were saying it to somebody. Yeah, I probably sound like a huge nerd. Um, and it's funny because I'm definitely not the most in-shape person ever, but try to address the areas that I can address yeah. with supplements. Okay. So fish oil and vitamin D are my two big ones. Um, yeah. And if you want to look like Frenchie, start by ordering some athletic greens. Well, well I should probably do that ASAP because yeah. I want to look like Frenchie. Me too. Uh, so, yeah, if Elio wins the fifth, Borg Warner will give Elio an additional $400,000. So that's cool because that's not going to happen. Ouch. Do you think it's going to happen? I don't know yet. I definitely am not ready to make Indy 500 predictions, but... It's hard to say he doesn't have a chance if I'm being realistic and have don't just, have a bias. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> oh, whatever. Get out I like I like Mrs. Hickey's reply to, to that uh, the the PLP tweet earlier today about the yeah. Elio thing. I got a big kick out of not that. Not in this house. Yeah. Sarah Fisher will be driving the pace car for the Indy 500, so that's pretty cool. Um, definitely one of the more iconic drivers in IndyCar history so and a local favorite so that's really cool and then we finally have our 33rd entry confirmed it is Stefan Wilson with Dragon Speed I was about to say Dragon Racing <laughs> and then Jay Penske was going to sue me for libel or something <laughs> uh, Stefan Wilson with Dragon Speed and they're using the Foyt chassis if I read that correctly Tatiana's chassis and and they are sponsored by a jerky company that's escaping me. Gnarly jerky. Have you had it before? No, but I did order, um, like many of our listeners, did order a couple that are arriving tomorrow and will be my media center snack of choice. What's some? Oh, you're bringing it with yeah. the travel. Like, you going to the media center tomorrow? No, no, not tomorrow. I'm like, what's tomorrow? Uh, all right. Well, so that's cool. So I'll really happy for Stefan and Dragon Speed. Hopefully, this is kind of a window for them to get back into the car. Could that be pretty cool? Yeah. Um, should be should be fun to watch that. RC Enerson hmm. and Father are working to get back into IndyCar full time in 2023. They now have reclaimed ownership of the chassis that were at Top Gun. So now it is about working on a budget and then taking said equipment to a team to kind of partner with. I, I'm i putting money down on Ed Carpenter Racing right now. I have a question for you. I don't know you. what you think. Yeah, okay. Yeah, go ahead. My, my thought is a question. If you were Ed Carpenter or another team, any team, and you saw the cluster F that just occurred with Top Gun Racing over the last two year and change or whatever it's been, why would you want to do anything to do with the Enersons? And I think RC Enerson is a very talented driver that just things didn't break his way. But also, 
There's every time the Enersons are involved, there's all sorts of drama. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. So... It, that's true. <laughs> I didn't, didn't think about that that way. If you are Ed Carpenter, you can put in all of the legwork to make a third entry work and find the chassis, get the transporter, find the driver, get the budget. Or you could just have a prepackaged delivery arrive for you with a budget and a qualified driver who hasn't had the most opportunities to show himself in IndyCar. And not look the gift horse in the eyes and just roll with it. All right. I mean, you're not wrong. It's just, it's just, a, it's... it sounds a lot easier than just doing all of the extra steps yourself. Oh, it 100. Unless they is. had, it, if they had a Kyle Kirkwood and in Indy lights that they wanted to promote up, it'd be one thing Then it would might be worth the effort to, to go through all those extra steps to get, make sure they stay in your stable. But otherwise I just look the gift horse, not in the eyes and just take it. Oh, before before we preview the race, did you see that Alex Rossi said my 2023 has officially been decided? Like we had, I mean, I know we've already kind of surmised what might happen, and I think I know what might happen, if, but it's interesting to see him say that this weekend. Yeah, I wonder if that means he's just stopped giving a shit and stopped um, putting on the ruse for the sake of putting on the ruse oh, and just like, I, all right, well, you got it. I can't wait to interview him in a media bullpen then because it'll be super fun. And I'm serious, like, no shit's given Rossi is a lot of fun. Are you going to ask him what his 2023, 2023 plans are yet? No, I, I enjoy my safety, and I feel like that's the type of question that, like, might get me <laughs> punched right in the throat no matter who I am, like, that's just like an instant, like he hears that question. And he's just like, boom. Yeah. Well, I think he's, it might be a good warm up for him before he goes and does it to Santino at the victory banquet at the 500. Ouch. So 
All right, fair. Uh, we, I think that came up in the drunk episode. I think it did, yeah. I said, I said Ray Hall and Rossi could knock a expletive expletive out if they wanted to. Um, so those, yeah, see them charged up after the grudge on contact and running out of fuel or whatever. I'm like, those are two guys I wouldn't want to cross, but that's just me. All right. Um, moving into the grand prix. One thing we are, I wanted to ask you because it seemed to be a touchy subject on social media before we got to our predictions and whatnot is Juan Montoya is racing this weekend in the number six car. And for the second year in a row, they're running the Lucas Oil black and red chrome car, which made its debut in 2017. I think that was Mikhail Ocean. Yeah. And then obviously it was the livery for Wickens with his devastating crash, his IndyCar career ending crash. And then they did come back last year when Montoya was not running the number six. I think they, it was the 68 or something. 86, yeah. 86. Huh. I was close. <laughs> so there was definitely some feelings on Twitter that that was wrong of McLaren or unfair of McLaren. What did you think of that? I think the question has to be asked. Did McLaren talk to Robert Wickens? Cause they sure might have. And I, you know, at this point, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, you know, the 77 has been run after Dan Weldon, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't listen. It's hard. It's it's very hard because I still remember everything about being at Pocono that day. Don't like talking about it that much. But at the same time, it's been a couple of years. Wickens is still with the team, you know, in in coaching capacity. And I think, you know, we can all kind of see that it's probably unlikely that that Robbie gets behind the wheel of an Indy car in an actual race, maybe a test or something you could, you know, uh, for fun, you know, demonstrating the technology you could see, but an actual race is pretty unlikely. So it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard on a personal level. And if they did him dirty, would, would that be a pretty shitty thing to do? Sure. But I also listen, I get it. I think it's just one of those things that, it is what it is. Like, I'm not really all that worked up about it. Right. I mean, because it, like I said, that kind of concept came in 2017 before Wickens was right. with the team. It did, uh, you know, change a little bit from 2017 to 2018. And now the one they're running this week basically resembles the 2018 version. Or, sorry, the, yeah, the 2018 version. So, I mean, I get it. It's, it's, Definitely got some people emotionally charged based on what they recall from that day. But at a certain time, I think it's it's kind of like a it's almost like a good tribute per se of like, you know, this is a great looking car. That entry that year was phenomenal. And we're excited to kind of have the Lucas Oil name back on the side of the car on a livery that garners a lot of. You know, obviously people like to think of Pocono, but there was a lot of good memories that year too with Wickens succeeding at a lot of tracks yeah. and doing very well. So, uh, yeah, I also hope they, you know, talked with Robbie about it and didn't do anything disrespectful. I mean, McLaren's had a history of being a little shady sometimes, so hopefully it was all done in the right way. But uh, I don't, I personally don't have an issue that they're running that livery. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you can, I was saying this to 
Cassie Johnston, whenever the delivery announcement was late last week, like I would, I just want to think about like the, you know, the good memories that the Wiccans car brought. And also the fact that, you know, he is still alive. He's about to be a dad at some point in the next couple of months. Like there's a lot of positive things that we can think about. And I have heard some, like the guy, the guy who runs Lucas oil, like, I don't know what his name is, but I heard some less than flattering things about him last week, but I mean, I'm not all that worked up about it either. It's as, as long as McLaren talked to Robbie, if, if they, if he said, Oh, they never talked to me. Like, yeah, it'd be kind of crappy, but I, I don't, I'm not, this isn't something I think is worth necessarily getting all bent out of shape about. What? I know no Come doom on. and gloom. We haven't like doom and gloomed once this episode. So, Rah. That's all I cut. Well, the race in Miami was the most watched Formula One race, I think, on air in America ever. Uh, yeah, at least since Monaco in like 2002. So, therefore, IndyCar sucks. Yeah, failing. Might as well close shop. And, you know, who wants to run the Indy yeah. 500 in three weeks, two weeks, whenever it is? Yeah. That's the point. Apparently, the. There is a debate online that the Indy 500 should be the first race of the year. I'm so tired of that debate. Because then you're going to have to run races in the winter, which limits where you can run. And it's just, no. Move, well, and it's like, on. if it was the first race, wouldn't people just stop caring after? Yeah. Because, like, you know, I mean, I guess in the defense of the current schedule is that if you're an Indy 500 fan, you don't care about the first four races either. Yeah. Probably like you're not going to care who wins the well, they may watch the Grand Prix just because it's in Indianapolis, but you're not going to care who won at Barber. Right. So anyways, uh, there there's our doom and gloom for the episode. Also, 100 percent still think that Indy 500 shouldn't be a non points paying race, but neither here nor there. Not going there tonight. We're, we're not going to go doom and gloom. Tonight. Come on, it was that. That's the way it was when you were a kid. Come on. Stunned. Stunned. I got him. Silence. I got nothing. Oh, uh, let's let's talk about the race. Uh, the only uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The only entry that is additional this week is actually Montoya. Is that? Am I missing anybody? You're right. It's only Montoya is the only extra. Twenty seven cars. Sweet. So we got 27 cars. Doom and gloom. So Terrible numbers. Saint... <laughs> Sorry. You're so, you're so full of it. got to kind of like make it look like you're actually mad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really. I mean, uh, out of the 37 times we've run this track uh, since 2014, do you have a favorite memory? Um, Pagano and Dixon battle in 2019 in the rain was Oh, you mean on my uh, wedding day? My anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, well, happy anniversary! Thank you. Did I uh, did I tell you that I gave lighting one job that day was to fill me in on the race as it was happening? Like you know, yeah. like when we we're going through receiving line, I was like, "How's the race going?" He's like, "I don't know." I'm like, dude, I gave you one job. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to like no. just like check my phone at like seven thirty and to figure out like who won, and then everybody's like, "That was a great race." I'm like, "Of course." course that was on my wedding well, i guess that we got we brought a good luck right? yeah yes yeah. you're gonna have to go celebrate do some big celebration on saturday before the race starts or something like that 
I, I love IndyCar and I want to see it succeed, but I am not going to get remarried just for the sake of having another good race. I didn't say remarried. Just like, I don't know, renew your vows. I didn't say something. you did, but I'm sure. Well, I'm sorry. I, f- I was about to say Cody's name. I forgot to give a uh, a racing league update for the week. Uh, Cody Bray did not win this last weekend. Mm. Moving along. I don't know what my favorite memory was. I think 2014 was pretty cool because it was ridiculous <laughs> with the Saavedra getting pole, which was horse shit. I mean, it was a good lap, and he did well, but I just think the concept of Sebastian Saavedra getting a pole is horseshit. And then proceeding to stall and having that huge crash was ridiculous. And then Plowman flying through the air and hitting Frank Montigny, which is a little funny. Well, not I don't know what the funny, because now we know what legal trouble Frank Montigny got into. Um, What else happened in 2014? Oh, Hinch had a terrible injury. That was not funny. Um, I'm glad he was okay. I'm glad we have the arrow screen now, but that was not a good moment. Um, I was like, I knew there was some other major thing that happened that race. And then Kurt Busch was in the car after for the 500. Kind of a weird weird month there. Um, yeah, I can't really. I mean, Connor Daly. Who did Connor Daly send it on that one year in 16? Was that Elio? I think so. I don't remember. So back when they had the LED lights and pushed past, that was pretty cool to watch him send it and take the lead. Uh, yeah, I guess that's my favorite memory probably because it's not really a good race ever. And they need to get rid of the last chicane. Um, yep. Which I hope is something they can do for the whatever race, July, August, whenever July, they're doing this July, again, yeah. for the 38th time. Yeah, I mean, do we have really, I mean... It's going to be a straightforward race. Uh, Qualifying is going to have a major impact on the results. There's usually not too many cautions. If there is, it's either from turn one, lap one, or a mechanical issue. There's almost like never a normal, quote-unquote, normal crash in this race, quote-unquote. Yeah, do you have anything before we just make some predictions? No, I mean... It's going to be a nice day. Come out and enjoy the show. Tickets are pretty cheap for this weekend, I think. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it is what it is. We've run the race a bazillion times, like you said. So, yeah, there's, there's only so much we can talk there's, about. There's not too one. much like, could this happen or could this happen? It's either a two stop or a three stop strategy. And that's I, I'm I, I do enjoy strategy battles, so. That's what you have to look forward to this weekend, unless there's some crazy rainstorm that they're not predicting or, I don't know, something happens caution-wise. So we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm excited to be there. That's about all I got. Right. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we could do the analysis the first lap. Like, oh, do you think there's going to be a crash in the first turn? Why, yes, host. I think there will be. Cool. Yeah. Let's move on. 86% chance. Is that your actual math, or did you see that? No, I just like pulled that number out of thin air. Okay. All right. Well, who is your winner of the? Uh, is this the GMR Grand Prix? GMR. Or is it some? Yeah, other this fancy? is GMR. The Gallagher Grand Prix is <clears throat> the August one or July one. I will say, <clears throat> we'll we'll talk about that at some point this summer. I will say that Scott McLaughlin is going to get his car back into victory lane and continue the Chevy season dominance. 
And I will say Will Power gets his Will Power gets his first win of the season. Who is your Dark Horse top ten? Dark Horse top ten. Juan Montoya. Oh God. Oh, I just got flashbacks of lighting predicting that he would finish in the top ten. Should you not? Montoya was like twentieth ish in the speed charts the entire month. Race day. He is like 15th to 20th the entire day and then somehow out of nowhere sneaks in a top 10 at the end. Finished like 8th. It just annoyed me to know him because I had to listen to lighting all of the Road America weekend talk about it while I was wearing my Packers jersey. Um, I'm going to go Jack Hardy as my top 10 dark horse. Who do you have as a struggle bus this weekend? Let's go with Felix Rosenquist. might be a cop out but we'll allow it yeah it's it's borderline say, getting on i think after the indy 500 we could start defining for sure yeah. cop outs and not cop outs uh yeah you have all chevy so far in your your selection here um i don't know i'll go ahead and say maybe mm, I'll say Marcus Erickson maybe doesn't have his best weekend. I was trying to think of a Ganassi car to have a bad weekend. And I like, after Scott Dixon, I was like, I don't even remember who's on Ganassi right now. Be like, Jimmy Johnson. (laughs) Like, cool. Nice one. All right. uh, First out, I'm going to go with first. And I'm going to say Colton Hurd is the first out. Okay. I will say that. Let's pick somebody important here. And Colton Hurd is a good one. Let's go with, I don't know. I was about to say James Hinchcliffe. I'm really struggling right now. Rude. And sorry, James. You're a great at announcing and, and a fantastic addition in the NBC booth. I will say that Kyle Kirkwood is first out. I thought you said important. I'm just kidding. He's important. He's important. <laughs> That's hurtful. I know. Well, did you see that a a plane in front of him landed with a passenger flying it today? Yeah, that's terrifying. Uh, Yes, I love Kyle. He's amazing. Who is your? Well, I I bet your best rookie is not going to be Kyle. But who is your best rookie? (laughs) Uh, let's let's go four wheels and an engine, long guard. Hey, what? I'm doing this 94% to spite you and 6% because he's already raced here before. Oh, you're. Oh, I forgot about that when I picked him fantasy. God. So did I, to be totally honest with you. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. We both lost in that one. I guess he did finish 14th. Qualified really well, but didn't finish well. So I will say. I really want to pick Malukas, but. All right, I guess I'll go Kirkwood. I've picked four wheels and an engine every week this or yeah, every race yeah, this year, so I might as well switch me, it up. Shannon you guys or Frenchie pick have not first. picked him. Why? Well, Frenchie would if he could. Right. If I didn't claim him every week, but uh, yeah, I know Shannon's probably not picking him. So, uh, well, that's that. Fine host at the track. He has a gray beard and a cane. I can't grow. Listen, even when I'm 80, I, when I'm actually 80, I still won't be able to grow a gray beard. So let's let's be let's be real about my old jokes 
when when you make them. Okay. But because you know you were definitely alive when it was non-points paying races. Anyway, <laughs> that was very real. <laughs> we I I got I hope Did I ruin your outro? Yeah, I hope everybody has a lovely weekend of racing. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. <laughs>